I'm Danielle Royston, and this is Telco in 20. Five years ago, when I started yapping about the public cloud in Telco, everyone told me it would never happen. But then things started to change. At first, they said, okay, but for enterprise IT and BSS workloads only. Then it was, sure, if you're a greenfield network like DISH. But so much has changed in the last few years since Cloud City at MWC 21. Now my question to everyone is, which telco workloads can't move? Ignoring the obvious strategic question about whether you can trust the hyperscalers or not, I wanted to do a podcast on whether or not we are technically able to run network workloads on the public cloud. Are the hyperscalers ready to support highly resilient, low latency networks or not? Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Ben Baker from Juniper Networks, the company that works with both hyperscalers and operators to build networks. While we can't answer the strategic question for you, womp womp, we're going to get to the bottom of exactly how far Telco can go, how much of the network can move to the public cloud. So let's take 20. Ben Baker is Senior Director, Cloud Marketing and Business Analysis at Juniper Networks. Hi, Ben. Welcome to Telco in 20. Hey, Danielle. Been a longtime listener of your show, so it's nice to now be a participant. Yay. Well, thank you for being a longtime listener and now a guest. I'm super excited to have you on the podcast today. And to start, you've been in the telco industry way longer than me, I think close to 25 years. So tell me about your telco experience and what do you do for Juniper Networks today? Yeah, I've been in and around telco and networking for about 25 years, as you say. The last 11 at Juniper in a variety of roles. Currently, I wear two hats. I run a business case analysis group that works across all our customer segments and all of our product portfolios. And I also run marketing for our cloud data center business unit. And it's a great position to be in that gives me a front row seat into how networking has been moving towards the cloud. That's awesome. You know, I'm a software girl. And I got to be honest, when I think about Juniper Networks, I kind of think about hardware, but that's maybe because I'm old school. And so has Juniper been making that transition to be more of a software company or maybe a combo of the two, software and hardware? Yeah, Juniper hardware company, that's so 2000s. But yes, of course, <laughs> Sorry. we have a comprehensive hardware portfolio around routing, switching, security. It's what we're known for. But did you know that about 90% of Juniper engineers are actually software engineers? I know that's surprising to me, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And part of that is our Junos operating system, yeah. which is every bit as important as the underlying silicon that it runs on. And then thinking about the last 10 years or so, to the point of your question, we've invested incredible amounts of time and money in what I'll loosely call off-box software. Yeah. Increasingly, the differentiation that you provide for a customer today is in the experience. Yeah. And this is the experience of the network operator, but also the end user. Yep. And we do this through management and automation software across the different domains. So Paragon in the WAN, Mist in Campus and Branch, which is our AI ops solution, and Abstra for data center fabric management and automation. And then when you get into Telco Cloud, which I know we're going to dig into further, yeah, for sure. our Contrail product or CN2 mm -hmm. is our CNI, our container network interface, but with better features around networking and security than your typical CNI. And a lot of exciting things going on with CN2. It's a great solution to 
solve problems like Kubernetes multi-cluster sprawl. CN2 is portable across public and private clouds. It integrates well with Astra, so we have that direct link from controller to hardware. And this is a key part of our overall telco cloud solution. And also our cloud metro portfolio is a key piece of that as well. And we had a ton of interest in these topics recently at the Mobile World Congress. Yeah, I mean, two years ago, I went to MWC, took over the Ericsson booth, and we created Cloud City. And at the industry level, I'd say, there wasn't a lot of talk about cloud at the time. And now, walking around MWC 23 this year, the hyperscalers are there in full force, all three big booths, yep. multiple booths, lots of discussion about cloud. And so I'm the public cloud girl in telco. It sounds like you guys are also seeing that transition in your business to more cloud computing. It sounds like you're driving that into your products as well. Yeah, absolutely. And city is a great term to refer to some of the sizes of booths at Mobile Congress. <laughs> totally. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's not a stretch to say that the most important strategic decision up to the board level for many telcos around the world is, should you work with the hyperscalers, yeah. the public cloud providers, yeah. or should you do it yourself? Yeah, it's a big question. I did a talk at MWC 21 about two sides of the public cloud, because it's not necessarily the easiest decision to make, but there's so many advantages of using the hyperscaler technology, you can't really ignore it. And so for you guys, it sounds like as you're designing your products and going to market, designing things that are you know, I'm going to use air quotes, cloud native. Is that more like containers and Kubernetes, things that work in a cloudy way and not so much hyperscaler specific and running on the public cloud per se? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great summary of it. You know, the idea of cloud native for me starts with how an application is fundamentally architected. Yeah. And cloud native generally means an application is written as or composed of microservices. So that means typically, like you say, it runs in containers with Kubernetes as the orchestration system. And this change in how applications are architected versus traditional ways where an app would be tied monolithically to mm -hmm. a VM or even a particular piece of infrastructure, this change has ramifications. It means that apps are now more dispersed. Yeah. They're spread out as a collection of workloads across different logical or even geographic data centers. Cloud native means apps are ephemeral. These workload components are now turned up and down really quickly. Mm -hmm. They're more dynamic. And it also means that apps are fungible. You know, microservices yeah. are movable and interchangeable across cloud infrastructure. Now, I think the most important ramification of all of this, and this is really why I come to work every day for a network infrastructure vendor, it's that in this new cloud native world, the network is even more important than ever. Yeah. This dispersion of workloads, it causes new and very acute challenges around basic connectivity, of course, but also around security, latency, resiliency. And, you know, we say the cloud is a network. You can't separate the two. And of course, the cloud is really an operating model, a way to work. Yeah, it changes everything. I think people are starting to realize that. Obviously, I come at it more on the enterprise IT side which I think is a foregone conclusion that that is absolutely able to run in the public cloud. But even for the software applications, like you said, they're fungible, they're dynamic. There's components that are being updated and upgraded. And in the old days, you were in control of that rate of change. And now with public cloud components, things are happening underneath you and you're not even in control of it. Right. It just requires a higher level of robustness and operational capability. And that's hard. 
But I also think there's a great opportunity for cost savings and ideas coming to market so much more quickly. Absolutely. You know, and I'm not a network girl. You're coming here with the network. So as you guys are talking to telcos with your products, are they asking Juniper to run their workloads on hyperscalers, networking workloads? Or is it still really, okay, yeah, we're going to move IT stuff over. That's a no-brainer, but the network still is staying in-house. Well, the answer is it depends. Yes and no. I'll give you two examples. Yeah. On one side of the spectrum, you have the clean slate network operators like Dish, mm-hmm. and they're very aggressive, as you know, yeah. in this strategy of being public cloud first, yeah. which is designed from the ground up as a cloud native architecture to be run on a hyperscaler public cloud. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, I'd call out Deutsche Telekom as yeah. an example, and they're another operator that we've worked with very closely in cloudifying, in this case, they're next-gen IMS Mm -hmm. and keeping that in-house effectively on-prem. And a key point I add into the discussion about telcos potentially owning their own telco cloud infrastructure is that horizontal stacks are the way to go, not the integrated vertical stacks that would come from a single vendor for each separate applications. Some telcos had gone down the vertical path, but it wasn't really successful. The experience of telcos here has been very clear. They need the flexibility that a horizontal telcos cloud stack could give you. And in that example, just to name names, but is that like an Ericsson vertical stack that you're talking about or like a Nokia? Yes, those are examples. Yep. Yeah. So now let's get into what everyone asks me all the time, which is, How much of the network can you really run at a hyperscaler? And ignoring the obvious, should you or shouldn't you from a competitive point with the hyperscalers? Let's just pretend the hyperscalers were like, nope, we're never going to build networks. We don't care about networks. We're going to give it up to the telcos. You guys know how to do that. But just from a technical perspective, can you really run a network on a public cloud? Does it really work? What do you guys think? The short answer I would say is generally no, or at least not yet. And here's the way we start to think about this question. You know, hyperscalers have key capabilities. Yeah. Telcos have key capabilities. Mm -hmm. The hyperscalers are really good at building massive cloud infrastructure. They have armies of talented software developers, and they typically do it themselves when it comes to building automation tools. And hyperscalers move really fast, like Mm -hmm. I think you had mentioned before. Sometimes they break things, which is an important (laughs) point to consider when you're asking that question about telco workloads running Mm -hmm. on top of them. Now, telcos, on the other hand, own vast real estate assets. The biggest telcos can have, what, 10 times the number of locations versus a hyperscaler probably? Yeah. Telcos have long-standing billing relationships with millions of customers. I've been paying my wireless service provider 75 bucks a month for 25 years. (laughs) And (laughs) that's a lot of money. That adds up. And I pay even more to my internet service provider. Mm -hmm. So getting to your question, telcos are also fundamentally driven by reliability. You have regulations around 911, Kalia that the public cloud is just not ready for today anyway. You know, it's been a while since I picked up a landline phone, but seriously, when did you ever pick up a phone and not get a dial tone? Yeah, and it not work. Other than 9-11, I mean, the answer for me is I think never. Yeah. You know, so you put these strengths of telcos with the strengths of hyperscalers, and that question is, okay, are they friend or foe or partners or friends with benefits? Yeah. And we generally think that they should be partners. Of course, They are in many cases, you know, one end of the spectrum is dish. Like I mentioned before, 
getting cloud native workloads on public cloud and like you say, in some cases, private cloud, even for critical telco workloads like 5G core and RAN. Mm -hmm. So when you get into the traditional telco part of the discussion, one way to look at it is different workloads. Yeah. And you had mentioned before generic IT workloads. You know, a telco is just like any other big enterprise. They have their sure. enterprise workloads, including perhaps most importantly, OSS and BSS. Yeah. There's no, I would say, big strategic barrier or technology barrier to a telco going to public cloud yeah. for those general IT workloads. Yeah. But, you know, of course, you weigh the standard trade-offs of cost and flexibility, predictability or burstiness of workloads, security, all the factors that go into that yeah, I don't think there's anything particularly unique in these applications that you don't see in any other industry. And a lot of the other industries have said, yeah, the cloud is reliable enough for customer relationship management. Salesforce is yep. clear winner there. But then all the other things along with it, there's not this 25 nines of reliability for your customer support that you need. <laughs> and so the cloud is secure enough, reliable enough. And if you do it right, cheap enough, and it makes sense. And so I don't know if that ship has sailed in telco, but I think it's definitely getting ready to leave the port on enterprise workloads, for sure. I would still perhaps push back a little bit on that. And there's plenty of enterprises that are keeping plenty of workloads on-prem, and that'll, I think, continue for the foreseeable future. But no doubt there are many large benefits in many cases to moving those kind of workloads to public cloud. But, you know, getting to the interesting part of your question is, should telcos put their network workloads on public cloud? You can certainly use public cloud to experiment. A telco can and should help build up their own cloud skill set by using public cloud mm -hmm. tools. You can certainly easily use public cloud for development and test environments for speed, obviously, to get things out quickly. But we think it would be a mistake to just seed that telco cloud, that the telco infrastructure workloads yeah. to public cloud, because it's the essence of what a telco is, or at least what we think it will become over the next five to 10 years. And I'm pretty confident that most large telcos agree with this sentiment. Yeah. And in a roundabout way, to answer your question, it really depends on a lot of factors, and some incredibly complex interactions. And, you know, if this question weren't murky or messy enough, a final point I'd make here is exactly what is telco and what is public cloud? Where's the DMARC? Yeah. So it's conceivable to build telco edge infrastructure on an AWS outpost rack, but it sits in a telco location. So the economics that the money can go both ways, it's really murky about where that demarcation is. Yeah, I mean, I guess to summarize, I think people will say, oh, Greenfield Network, sure. Okay, enterprise IT workloads, that's okay too. Testing, R&D, we can run those workloads in the public cloud. And I think the last private networks, okay, doesn't have the 911 requirement yep. and all that stuff. But you know, if I'm a telco, from a technical perspective, I think I try to run as much as I could on the public cloud for the things that I could. And the things that I couldn't keep it because, you know, my point of view is those hyperscalers, they're chasing all the industries. They're chasing horizontal workloads. They're looking at the telco industry that's like, how do we make our 5G use case and our ROI on it and the massive CapEx to extend the network and cover rule? They're mm -hmm. like, we're good. We don't, <laughs> you guys can't figure it out. And you guys have been doing don't it. Don't need to deal with local city councils to get permits for a new cell site. <laughs> they don't want to do that. I mean, again, 
this is a debate and I could be wrong. I'm not a network person, not an expert, never run a telco. But if I'm at AWS, I'm like, that sounds like a really hard job, guys. You guys are doing great. Keep doing it. We need it. We use it. But yeah, we don't want to go do that. Yeah, there are some elements of the last mile that just aren't a great business. Yeah. It sucks. Now, maybe Starlink is something you got to worry about, yep. right? I don't know. But yeah, Danielle, I generally agree with some of the things that you've summarized from a technology point of view. Yeah. But the premise of your question was kind of ignoring the elephant in the room about the strategic aspect of it. Does a telco want to give away the crown jewels, right? <laughs> That's a whole discussion, right? But let's solve the technical debate. Can it work? Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like there's still work that needs to be done to make these hyperclouds carrier grade. Right. You can't run the whole thing, can't do 911. There's still lots of stuff changing and things like that. But they solve that maybe. And then you leave the strategic question of should you or shouldn't you? Right. Even to the extent we're not there today, I think technologically we'll get there. So yeah. I don't think there's a huge barrier to that. I think so too. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, anyways, well, that's fun. I mean, I get this question all the time. It comes up on panels. And so I think we'll be talking about it a little bit more this year on Telco and 20. But yeah, you know, the nice thing is Juniper wins either way. We supply both sides. Yeah. So it's all good. So your side. <laughs> and there's so much change coming. You guys have tons of opportunities. So it's going to be super exciting. Yep. And so speaking of super exciting things, when I was reading up on Juniper Networks, I found that you guys are a global partner with Aston Martin F1 racing team. And so what do you guys do with those guys? Yeah, Aston Martin's a fun partnership that we have. And it's easy to get excited about Formula One and even James Bond. So we get a lot of buzz out of the relationship. Yeah, totally. But yeah, Aston Martin is an important customer of ours. Yeah. There's that part of it too. Just relatively standard enterprise networking infrastructure across their manufacturing sites, corporate offices, customer-facing sites that they have. And between Aston Martin and Formula One, they're such big brands that we have other opportunities to work with them, whether it's something like sustainability initiatives in local communities and, of course, the races <laughs> the, yeah. themselves, which are the most fun part, I think. I interviewed an F1 race IT guy, and I guess it was a couple of years ago, it was during COVID. And it was so funny because they moved a lot of their infrastructure up into the public cloud. And I was like, what were the objections that your company had? And it was all the same things I hear from telcos. Security, we don't want other F1 teams to be able to get access to our data, latency. It was so much of the same excuses. And I was just laughing the whole time because I had telco execs on. I was like, this sounds like all of you guys and the F1 guys got over it. So maybe maybe the telco guys will get over it too. Is it mission critical yeah. is the key question. And it just is for a lot of companies. Yeah, it is. Well, Aston Martin, good enough for James Bond, good enough for me, maybe. <laughs> Every so often in Austin, I see an Aston Martin and I'm like, that's a good looking car. So Sounds like you guys have awesome customers, a great future, cloudification of the network is coming. And so again, Ben, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I think we had a great conversation. Thanks, Danielle. Awesome. Great to be here. Yeah. Stick around because we're ending each podcast with a Telco in 20 takeaway. I have 20 seconds to tell you something you need to know. Did you hear what Ben Baker just said? He thinks it's only a matter of time before the hyperscalers can support workloads for telco networks. Whoa, Nelly! That's huge if true. Telco can move a lot more to the public cloud than most people think. The only question that remains is whether or not moving the network to run on the public cloud is the right business decision. Like I said in the podcast, I don't think the hyperscalers want to run networks. As you know, building a network is hella hard 
and you guys are great at it. Meanwhile, all the talk at MWC 23 was about how to get the ROI on your 5G network. I think the hyperscalers will leave that to you while they continue to march on their quest to own all the enterprise workloads in all of the industries. So I say, use the public cloud. Jump on and ride that public cloud dragon. Jogarius! <laughs> Speaking of Daenerys Targaryen and her army, it's time for me to activate my cloud army. Vote for me as Telka's most influential person in cloud in Silver Linings March Madness Contest. Help me make the Elite Eight this week. I'm up against some heavy hitters like Adam Solipsky, Thomas Kurian, and Satya Nadella. Holy shit, can I take down the big guys? Help a girl out and cast a vote for me. You'll find a link in the show notes. If you can't find it, then DM me on Twitter at TelcoDR and connect with me on LinkedIn. Listen to my other podcast episodes for the latest haps with Telco and the public cloud. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a review. You can also sign up for our email newsletter on telcodr.com. We've just hit 3,000 subscribers. Woohoo! And don't forget to check out our awesome YouTube channel. Later, nerds!